Uh, thanks for listening to Say La Vie. I'm Katie, and today I'm here with a special guest, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Gina Dunn. I'm originally from Tallahassee, Florida. I have been in Paris for, mm, I think it's about four years at this point. I initially came here uh, to pursue a master's degree in global communications, and now that I've finished that up, I'm actually freelancing um, with, um, well, not with, but helping uh, solopreneurs and creatives with their marketing and public relations. And outside of that, I've started a little blog slash podcast called The Paris Connect, where I talk about things that would be of interest to anyone interested in living, working, or traveling to France and all those things that we think of when we think of Paris. And so when we first met, we were kind of just talking about what we would want to talk about, but then we really got into like what life was like as a student and mm -hmm. trying to get outside of the little bubble that we create for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this is true in any university, but mm -hmm. it's especially true in an international university in Paris. But it, it is um, very much an experience I think a lot of people can relate, relate to, to in yeah. a city, whether it's work or school or whatever, yeah. just being in a bubble. Yeah. Um, well, I have a little bit of experience of going from one city or setting to a new one because I moved from Tallahassee to Boston, actually. Tallahassee, though. Yeah. Tallahassee's quite different than <laughs> Boston or Paris, clearly. Um, but it involved having to get outside of my bubble once I, once I moved to Boston. So it kind of gave me, I don't know, it was my practice run. So when I got to Paris, uh, like most people or hopefully most people, when we're pursuing a new educational degree or whatnot, we have our goals of what we want to accomplish. And sometimes um, the things that we would hope are in place to help us accomplish those goals aren't there. And in that case, you have to improvise. And for me, it meant, okay, getting outside of the bubble that was um, the school, I guess you could say, that I was at. And that took many different forms. Uh, the first thing that I did that I think helped me was I helped out in organizations that I wanted to, that were a part of industries that I wanted to be a part of. So um, that meant, I think, my first spring break, instead of, you know, going home or going to another city outside of Paris, I actually was in a fashion PR agency stuffing envelopes for eight hours a day around a table of other individuals who wanted to um, get passes to Paris Fashion Week. And most of the, I think I was the, I'm pretty sure I was the only American there. Everyone else was either uh, interns that were French um, or other French students who just wanted to attend a Paris fashion show. So um, I would say, like, that was, like, the first step to getting outside of the bubble, in a sense. Um, everyone wanted, from what I've encountered, like, everyone was super curious, really, um, more than anything. It was kind of like, who 
are you? Um, what are you doing in Paris? Um, why do you like Paris? Uh, of course, everyone's obsessed with New York and I'm not from New York, but <laughs> they kind of assume you are if you say you're from the U.S. Uh, so that was one uh, thing that I think helped me when it came to getting outside of the bubble. People were curious and I was trying to uh, explore uh, the place or the industry that I wanted to work in. So that helped. And you were open at, open to that experience and meeting people in that experience as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, I for me, it's kind of like you have um, – sometimes I tend to be kind of – I don't know, whatever. But um, for me, it's really going into all of those places super humble uh, and not really experiencing expecting for there to be an adjustment to how I am. And I think that helps. Um, I didn't necessarily question a lot of, okay, well, why are they acting like this? And why are they doing this? I would note it and try to figure out, okay, how can I maneuver around it? But it wasn't sort of trying to make um, other individuals like fit a mold of what I expected for the most part. And I think that helped. Um, so that I, a lot of times I was probably more oblivious to any sort of negative behavior from them, if there was any, because I was like, oh, well, maybe it's like, I don't know why they're doing it, but okay. But I didn't really feel as if there was any sort of negative behavior. Um, but that was kind of my experience. And so your first tip would be to find a place that you're interested, I don't know, in volunteering in? Yeah. Or just like spending your time in what you're interested in and so it's easier to get in that way? Yeah, like my first tip would basically be to try to live in the city. Yeah. Um, And not, and when I say live, I don't mean, okay, get an address here. I mean actually live here, try to make friends here, which I hear is kind of hard. Um work here, uh, volunteer here, uh, however you can add some si- some sort of value here um, because that's how you're going to – it's kind of expecting to give rather than to receive, in a sense, from the city, and I think that helps. Um, so that would be my first tip, like actually try to live here because it's so easy to like go to the familiar and be like, okay, well – I'm just going to hang out with my American friends who understand exactly what I'm saying and exactly how I feel. And we can all kind of like say what we don't like and do like about Paris. Um, but it's, I don't know, the magic is outside of the comfort zone. Yeah, I really like that, um, the giving to the city. Yeah. Because I guess that's true if you only take... In that, in that sense, if you only expect Paris to bless you, or mm-hmm. which is so true because so many people have this expectation of the city to be act, like absolutely ideal. Yeah, like and, it's a city. Yeah. It's actually a city. The thing that anytime that someone wants to visit Paris, they're always like, so, you know, I want to have like an authentic Parisian experience, but like I want to see the real Paris I'm like, what do they mean by that? Like, what do you mean the real Paris? It's a living, breathing city. People live and work here. Uh, the only thing I could think of is that, I don't know, 
maybe some cities is where only the rich people live or where only the tourists um, inhabit parts of the city. And I think even for if you live like next to the Champs-Élysées or um, the Champs de Mars or the Eiffel Tower, you will find that there are a number of actual schools there, as in elementary schools, high schools. You will see old people walking down the street. You will see professionals going to work. Like people live all over the city. Like if you want to, I think, experience Paris as a city, whether you're a tourist or someone who's living here, it's up to you to engage with it. I very you see that a ton on people who try to talk about or who have blogs or things like that, where mm-hmm. it's like, and this is where the locals eat, and this is that. Or I can see that the the um, the authentic side of Paris, as opposed to just seeing the Louvre. Or... Yeah. Um, I, you know, maybe it's like when you live in a place that tourists come to, you've probably done most of those things as a child. You know, like you those were your school field trips going to the Louvre. Um, and maybe if you're doing if you're in some sort of academic program, you will probably go to those places as well. Um, so yeah, I, I maybe you will, maybe you won't see other French people in those particular places, but I found that the experiences like, for instance, I don't know, like my French friends, they're always checking out the new um, art exhibition because they've seen the things that are always at the Louvre. But the thing about Paris that I've noticed is that everyone's pretty cultured. Um, everyone. Like, everyone can tell you about the art that they like, the new music that's happening. There's always something kind of artistic going on. Um, so I kind of feel like, I'm sure there is an authentic place. Um, the only place that I know of that French people are kind of like, mm, not going there is the Champs-Élysées. <laughs> Unless yeah. they're going to work. But um, they usually try to avoid that quite often. It's like, uh, yeah, unless I work there, I don't really have a need to go there. There's other places to go shopping. There's other places to eat. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's... That's so funny. I was actually talking about this uh, with a friend just the other day where if, to us, to people who aren't from Paris, to anyone where it's kind of like the romantic city, mm-hmm. it's like anything we do, even if it's just walking along the Seine really? yeah. or just like taking a little bike ride along, whatever, is romantic. Like I literally met a friend for, uh, and we were interested in each other at that time for coffee and it happened to be right near the Eiffel and we happened to be right near the Seine and we went on a walk and it's just it's the simplest thing in the world Mm -hmm. and it just sounds so romantic but in a way I almost kind of feel like that means that I don't know this is gonna might sound cheesy but like Paris is speaking to you then in a sense like just get on the cheesy train. But because it's, uh, it's, it's it works for you. That means that like you're not some people come to Paris and they walk around and they're like, "Ugh, what is the big deal?" Whereas maybe you're having a coffee um like you said, like you're having a coffee, the sins right there, 
the Eiffel Tower is right there and you still see it because it gets to the point where you might stop seeing those things like where they're just sort of there and you're not paying attention to them in a way because they've just kind of become a part of like your day. But if they still um, catch your eye, then I think that means something. I don't know. It's more of the question of do locals ever have that viewpoint of Paris as Mm. outsiders do? Do they take a picnic right next to the Eiffel and be like, this is so romantic? Or are they literally like, this is a picnic on a grass near the Eiffel? It's more the perception that anyone who's an outsider basically has of the city. I think they know. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I live kind of close to the Eiffel Tower. um, And... I remember some of my friends being like, oh, so you live next to the Eiffel. Oh, okay. Um, so they know that it has, like, significance. Um, I mean, there's a reason also why you pretty much can see it, The I don't know, like the Eiffel Tower or something, like, way outside of the city. Because it, it still is a landmark that I think means something to even Parisians. There are probably places they will avoid. Um, like particular spots um, because maybe they don't want to deal with as many tourists. But I think, I mean, I probably should be speaking for French people, but yeah, they still meet by the Seine. Uh, I mean, come on, like you've been there on a Friday night. The majority of the people there are not tourists. Like they're they're actually um, Parisians or French people. So they still see the relevance. That's my, I don't know, take on it. I mean, no, but it's true. I guess it's more of the viewpoint, the idealization, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is such a common thing for people to have of the city. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like a friend of mine was like, oh, so I'm sure Paris is just like a really fun place. Um, And just all the time I'm thinking, well, it is. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure it's beautiful. It's like, yeah, it is, but it's not. It's still a place where people live. Um, and I think depending on your experience here, uh, you either go through the phase of infatuation into real, like, appreciation of the city, or you realize, okay, this is actually a city and may or may not work for me. Because I remember a friend came and she was like, oh, so are you still in love with Paris? And I hesitated to answer it. Um, and... She quickly responded, and she's like, oh, yeah, you see, it's different when you actually live in a place. And she didn't really give me a chance to respond, but I was more like processing it. And I was like, you know, it is different. Um, and the thing about Paris for me is that I, it isn't always like my first visit, my first visit here, um, where I was like, oh, I never want to leave here ever in my life kind of thing. But it's almost like it's more. Whereas, like I re- like I appreciate it so much more, um, and for all of its nuances in a way, and for all of the good and the bad about it. Uh, so yeah, like it's definitely romantic. Like even today when I was coming here to meet you, like I was just crossing the street and I was like, wow, the light is really hitting those trees nicely. <laughs> Or my, I don't know, my most recent thought was like, you know, 
was it really impressionistic painting? Because this seems pretty true to life. Like, like you realize that there's like legit capturing like how the sun is just hitting these buildings and how the light and the pink and the the blues are just like all coming together. And you're like, wow, like they were not really impressionistic as if it was just like another type of, I mean, I'm not an art like uh, expert or anything like that, but I'm just amazed at how true to life it looks or even like true to the feeling that it looks. Yeah, because we have to remember, like, we don't see the Eiffel every day. No. Or the Louvre every day. Or I do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> I would say, like, a majority of people don't yeah. experience it every day. It's so true. for me, it's just, like, a walk in really pretty European buildings. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, ag- I would agree, though, that... Um, it's pretty buildings as mm. opposed to Paris. Like it's, I don't know, like you kind of, there's a part of it where you lose the whole like, oh, this is Paris. And it's more like, oh, this is just a really beautiful backdrop to my life now. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Um, And so you, you were, you were at a university here mm-hmm. and then, you did that internship or that brief stint to do Paris, fas- uh, Paris Fashion Week. What else did you kind of do to get outside your comfort zone in a place where you're already, like, so far outside your comfort zone? Um, so there was that brief stint. Uh, and then I – but that was almost, like, basically just, like, a week. And then I actually um, had a full six-month internship as well. And – there's nothing like being outside of your comfort zone um, when you're, or then being in an environment um, where everyone's speaking French and you probably don't know what's going on like 90% of the time because like your French just really isn't that good. Um, so that was, that was really uncomfortable um, just because, well, I mean, you're in France, so of course everyone's speaking uh, French for the most part, but at the same time, you're a human being so you also want to be able to connect with people and it's you almost have to get used to the idea that mm, you're not going to be at a hundred percent all the time or probably going to be at 75 because you're not going to be able to fully actualize in all the ways that maybe you used to like you're in you can't just make your funny joke anymore that might feel comfortable to you or um the face that you might normally make that someone who is from the same background as you are, like American, um, that person may not be there in a sense. So your coworkers aren't going to understand like, okay, what's the deal with that? Um, or you may not understand completely when your supervisor gives you a dirty look because you may not know it's a dirty look. <laughs> so, um, Like that was definitely a case of being outside of the comfort zone I, as I was as we were mentioning or talking about earlier, um, like at the end of the day, because you're, it's almost, it's a little bit of isolation um, where you haven't been able to like really say and do and be how like you normally are. Um, And after like the day's over, like you kind of just want to like retreat into the familiar in a way. So that was definitely outside the comfort zone. Um, Another thing is 
Um, talking to people that you don't know. <laughs> talking to people that talking to people that you don't know, or um, and that's even like most of the people always want to like, where did you meet this person? And it's always the most random places where it's in line at the bank or in I don't know Gallery Lafayette, and it's just. If I see something that is of interest to me, like there was this one woman where she had on these cool shoes. I'm like, oh, I love your shoes. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, I got them at work and blah, blah, blah. And then we just started talking. And um, she's like, oh, well, let's connect on Instagram. So connected on Instagram, went and saw my banker. And then I looked at her Instagram profile when I was leaving. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm sure she's still there. I'll just ask her if she would like to have some coffee because um, she, I think it was like her vacation day or something she was saying. So she was like, yeah, I'm still in the neighborhood. And then we went to go have coffee. And it's basically having those conversations with people, reaching out to people um, that it's so easy just to be like, okay, nice meeting you. Bye. And, and then kind of, you know, going on with your life as opposed to sitting down with someone who you don't know. Um, you're not really sure if they're going to be able to understand you 100%, probably not, and vice versa. And having those conversations. Um, and it's, it's, it's scary a little bit. Um, most of the people that I've met up with, I probably, um, yeah, like some, this one, not some, but um, one of my friends, I didn't even know them in real life. Like I met them in like an online, like, development group or something and um meeting up with them and not like it's almost like you kind of have to get over yourself um and really put yourself out there and I know that might work better for extroverts rather than introverts but are you an extrovert I was gonna ask actually (laughs) well okay so interested so what's funny is that um I am an extrovert. Okay. But I, according to my personality, Myers-Briggs test. <laughs> I love Myers-Briggs. And they're good people. Um, actually, two women, which I didn't realize. Um, but uh, basically, I am the most introverted of the extroverts. What's your Myers-Briggs? It's ENFP. Okay. So no, you're not really. Yeah, they're so, my favorite people. Oh, really? <laughs> you really know them. I'm like, oh, I know. I only know them when I'm interested in what's like. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, we're like, I'm the most introverted of the extroverts. Some people don't even wait. Really? ENFPs are the most introverted of the extroverts. No way. Yeah. So some people don't even know I'm an, an extrovert. Like. And then other people have a very difficult time believing that I'm anything other than that, but mm-hmm. probably because they hear stories about me meeting people at the bank and randomly, like, people on the corner and, like, we're having a two-hour conversation. It's like yeah. that sometimes. Um, well, it's super interesting because when you said initially, like, retreating, I was like, oh, that's um, after, like, work. I was very much like, oh. That's just how an introvert goes about life. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Which is, like, anytime you have, like, social interaction, you're like, I need it, to go home. Right. But it, sh- it shows kind of how someone who's not usually like that is, like, it's just kind of tenfold. Yeah. Like, the exhaustion is tenfold when you're in an environment that you're 
you can't speak. You can't get used to. <laughs> right. Like, it's not, like, getting used to it. A bit of it is that, but it's still, like, it will be a challenge. Yeah, it's. I think it kind of comes down to, um, like, like just not being the thing that makes you most comfortable. Like you're expending so much energy, just kind of let me not do the normal thing for myself. Like, I guess I can't really talk that much, but I need to talk to somebody. Sorry, I keep hitting the table. Um, But yeah, I'm the kind of person where basically, um, how did I put it? Okay. So usually you have, I, you have to drag me like kicking and screaming to like a social function. But on the flip side, you also have to like drag me kicking and screaming to leave. Oh. So like I will complain for like, I don't want to go. I don't feel like I have to do this. Why do I have to go again, again, again? And then once I get there, it's like, mm, I thought you said <laughs> you didn't want to like be. I was like, no, it's great. Let's just not leave. I'm really like that. It's kind of strange. But um, but yeah, so it's um and you're very American for meeting someone at the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Not that it's Is bad. It not, do people not do that? No. Oh. So I, I actually have like the unique opportunity, not unique, but my, one of my friends here, he is um, ENFP because okay. I ask everyone. Okay. Really, um, it's like, how I, what's your sign? Yeah. What's your personality? It's your personality. <laughs> um, because I'm obsessed. But he's an ENFP, and he, he's American, but he grew up in China. Oh. and or He's, like, a perfect ENFP. Like, yeah, what? Well, <laughs> well, like, perfect in the sense of, like, if you're forming an ENFP, it kind of makes sense. Um, because I'm assuming it's not really an extroverted society, in a sense. And he's coming from a highly extroverted culture, so he has to marry those two together. I don't... Well, the thing is, it's more so he has an American dad, and he only he spent like eight years in the states as a kid. Okay. So it's very different. Okay. So like a lot of the transformative years were in China. Okay. So I don't know how that did with his personality. Okay. Anyhow, <laughs> he's lived here for a bit too, so he's like in French society as well. Mm-hmm. So him being EFP, uh, extroverted, he went to the states for the first time in a number of years, mm-hmm. and. I had people come up to him, like, talking to him, and he was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this happening? Yeah. Like, why are you – I've never talked to you in, in my life. Uh-huh. So it was very – it's like, to I think it is a very unique uh, American or extroverted society thing. Yeah. Because yeah. America is a very extroverted society, but I feel like in, a, like – a lot of Latin American cultures, it mm-hmm. would be kind of similar yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that more of an outward society. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't happen here. And it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I could I see mean, that. I could see I it could happening. See it. Like, an, it's an outlier if it happens yeah, here. Yeah. And like, I think, I mean, I'm usually the person that's kind of... <laughs> harassing other people like so like who are you i'm just curious like you're the <laughs> denominator in the equation right like you are right you're the same thing yeah. as you yeah, it's me. <laughs> which isn't bad but it obviously like did you meet did you meet up with her one time or did it yeah um i met up with like probably 10 minutes after meeting her we met up for coffee 
Um, we met up one time after that. Um, she was a little interesting, to say the least. Um, I don't want to talk bad about anyone, but it was a it was an experience. Um, it was an informational interview that I don't think um, interview. Well, in the sense of I was curious about. Um, it was when I was thinking about working at a particular fashion conglomerate. Um, and I was wondering if she had like any sort of insight, um, into like how she would go about it, you know, if she were in my shoes. And I mean, unfortunately, um, and this hasn't been the normal experience. Um, she was very much so like, oh, you should just apply online. I'm like, okay. What do they normally tell you to do? <laughs> like an informational interview? No, like what's the usual advice? Um, I mean, it's just like a whole other tone mm. in a sense um, to the conversation because it, normally it's, okay, well, it's, it's, there's more thought put into it because most people know, okay, yeah, I can apply online. That's, I'm not asking you to give me a job. I'm saying like, you know, are there any things that you think I should focus on or not think about or – um, it's more of a conversation um, as opposed to with her. It was really very much so. Um, yeah, just apply online. Okay. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, as far as like your day to day, do you like it? Yeah, it's a good job. Like what in the world? And I could tell her tone had changed since the first time that um, we met up. And and I understand why that may have happened as well. Um and I think it had a little bit to do with maybe, um, basically, I had communicated that I'm interested in doing PR, um, especially uh, PR and marketing, um, and also kind of being a connector for Americans, um, in particular, industries that are coming here. And what I didn't realize at the time is that's also something that she was looking to do. So I, so I think there may have been a little bit of conflict slash competition maybe um and that also can kind of that's probably a little bit of the downfall of the the enfp personality (laughs) where it's like you're so like yeah yeah, yeah." i was like maybe you should take a step back and strategically think about this uh was she american no No. but i am so yeah no no no. so she was french uh yes because i've heard um that a lot of the society is very aware of how uh, I think the way Americans function is very mm-hmm. much like I would like to be friends, and if you also have a benefit to me, that's cool too. You know, not yeah. to be mean, but it's very much like if you have a job that you know about, and I'm interested in about about it, uh, you're my connection to it. And from what I've heard, so from one person, so it's not like oh yeah, an yeah, exclusive, but it's very they're a lot more like. Careful in that area. Yeah, and I could, I mean, no one wants to feel like they're being used as a stepping stone. And I don't think that's what, like, this was. Um, It was more, like, I thought we had already kind of, like, established sort of, like, a rapport of some kind. And 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 at the time, I wasn't even, like, when I first met her, I wasn't looking to um, actually like work for this particular like organization or anything like that but once I did I was like oh well let me reach out to her and see if like she has like any sort of like insight um but I mean then there's people like that um but I think those people exist anywhere and then there's people like some of my other friends where um you know what maybe the giving the reverse of that would um not necessarily reverse but 
for this particular friend, they were thinking of like studying abroad in Canada. And clearly I'm not Canadian. <laughs> I don't know if it's clear or not, but yeah, I'm not. Um, and I have a friend who lives or lived in Canada. They're Canadian. And I was like, oh, well, let me reach out to them to see if uh, they can take a look at your uh, college application for this particular school. And I think they were quite um, grateful for it in a sense. And I think as long as it's kind of coming from a, uh, what am I looking for, a genuine place, then, yeah, there's, I mean, then I think it's a little bit more, not a little bit more acceptable, but it's, I don't know, like it's kind of what happens and when you're friends with someone, like, oh, I need your help with this. Um, you're not necessarily looking to see what you can get from this person. Hopefully, I'm assuming that's um, not why people decide to be friends. But, like, you, if something comes up, then, yeah, sure, why not? Um, but, yeah. It's, it's funny enough, though, this person was probably more of an outlier, I would say, um, when thinking about like all the other experiences that I've had, um, yeah, an outlier in the sense of uh, kind of being more of like a wall in a way. When there was uh, like, hey, like, what do you think, um, or what advice would you give? And it was very really like, mm. I guess I'm gonna continue putting my hand in front of my face, <laughs> but it was more like. Mm, yeah, no, I'm no, so, no advice suggestions for you. My question is that from that experience, the other times you've done something a little bit more along the lines of like you see someone in the bank line or yeah. you see someone in front of you or whatever. Are they typically French? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you ask them for coffee and they all say yes. Um, it's not necessarily asking for coffee. Um, so, um... Let's see. Uh, my friend. Oh, okay. How about this? Um, my friend Clément and Letizia. Well, I met them like when I was stuffing envelopes <laughs> at the thing. But both of them are French. Um, I ended up interviewing them for the school paper or something like that. Um, but it was really just, in a way, like just conversation. Um, I have met, uh, a friend, uh, in Gallery Lafayette, they were working, um, and it was really just them being curious about me. Um, and it's, I don't think people like, once you've maybe said it once, it's a lot more easier to say it again, but saying, you know, Hey, let's connect on, I don't know, Instagram or whatever your social media platform of preferences or, Hey, we should grab a coffee sometime with the friend that I met at Gallery Lafayette. Um, it was really just me looking at the clothes, saying my usual, like, oh, je suis désolée, je ne peux pas, le français, whatever. And she's like, oh, you're American. I'm like, I am. <laughs> and that's usually, like, what happens. Um, I don't know. Like, I that has really been the experience where people are just kind of like, oh, you're American. Um, and then it's like, yeah, we should meet up. Um, to grab coffee or like they say it or I say it or maybe they don't sometimes but that's usually what happens 
Um, but again, I think it kind of comes down to curiosity. And the other thing, though, is that Americans are known for you meet us out somewhere, whether it's like just in a regular social setting, like a bar, and we're just like telling our whole life stories and whatnot. And then the next day, like someone will reach out to us that we were telling our whole life story to, and we kind of like, why are you talking to us? Like, that was just yesterday at the bar. Um, so that's kind of something that I think we have to be conscious of, too, is that um, we do have a reputation for being fake um, in that sense where it's like, oh, yeah, if American talks to you for two hours, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to be your best friend. Um, it just means that they wanted to talk for two hours. So that's, like, that's the... Um, the feedback that I've gotten from a lot of people. And sometimes I feel like I've been even guilty of um, doing that where, um, and I think a little bit, a little bit of it has to do with, hmm, I think when you're here and you're kind of having your own Parisian like struggle, it's like, oh, do I really need to be like socializing? Like I need to like be focusing on getting to the next uh, step. But um, yeah. Uh, that's kind of something that we do have to be cognizant of, I think, because um, people are aware, or at least that's the the thought, in a sense. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's like from what you hear, if you ever listen to things like that, it's like uh, Americans have like a really soft outer shell but a really hard inner mm. shell, so it's like you can know a lot of information about them, but it's uh, like on a really basic level, but it's really hard to, like, get to know them on a deeper level mm. when it's, like, quite opposite, at least here, where it's, like, they have a really hard outer shell, but the second you're let in, it's, it's like, all or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of a wall that we put up as well. Yeah. So, everyone has a wall. Yeah, yeah. It's it just, just depends. Like, where is the wall? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which makes it just, it just is different. Yeah, because I think, I mean, my experience with French French people have basically been like once you're in you're kind of in you're in yeah um and it's i don't know like imagine the reverse where you it's like well once you think you're in you're actually not <laughs> you have to question right right you may not be life. friends sorry <laughs> yeah which is a, a problem in itself yeah. it's different but you yeah. take what you like from each culture mm-hmm. yeah so well, if you have any other tips, um, real quick. I would say uh, one tip is definitely, like, frequent places, like, mm. but particular ones, and engage with the people that work there. And I know it goes without saying. And, um, I mean, this probably applies for, like, at any point in your life. But I remember the first semester that um, I was here. And we would only go to, like, a couple of different bars or whatever, but we would always talk to the the bartenders that were there. And a lot of times the bartenders are actually the owners here as well, depending on, you know, if you go to, like, a little bit of a smaller bar. And those, like, I don't know, like, you kind of end up building your own little, like, place where you go where everyone knows your name, in a sense. Um, and... That helps you also build a sense of community outside of wherever it is that, I mean, if you're here for school, that 
a, a little bit of a community outside of um, the school itself. Um, the other thing, uh, or one of the other things, is you have to, or you should probably realize that just because uh, the someone that you meet might have the same uh, nationality as you doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same mindset or the same goals uh, or are trying to accomplish the same thing. And I think that's a lot. That's a mistake that I feel like it's easy to make when you arrive at a new destination or a place where it's like, oh, we have so much in common. And then you're like, okay, if this were a particular place in the U.S., will we actually be friends? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But that's super common, not only in the state. Like, I know a lot of South Africans who experience that. Like, it's really anywhere. And that's what I mean by, like, just because, like, you have the same nationality doesn't doesn't mean that you're going to be the best of friends. (laughs) It's very much like it's the initial convenience, and then it's, like, once you get past the beginning it's yeah like, oh <laughs> right is this just because of situation which sometimes where it gets out yeah but or then other times it doesn't go well <laughs> no, no 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 and i've definitely had that experience <laughs> um let's see oh well one thing for sure is like some things you have to do by yourself um and it it might seem obvious but I've noticed that a lot of times people will let not having someone to go to um to go with to like a particular event um or location stop them from actually doing it uh and I a lot of things I've had to go to by myself um and not necessarily because there's no one to go to with but more because like maybe the timing doesn't line up I also have an issue with, uh, let's see, I get a little irritated if I have to coordinate too much. Like it's <laughs> like it's actually sometimes just easier to go by myself, but I'm, I'm quite, um, not curious, but uh, I do wonder like how often um, people miss out on opportunities to make new friends or to engage or to learn something or to experience something just because, oh, well, their, I don't know, BFF can't come along with them. Um, I mean, if I feel like for myself, if I had taken that route, I would not, I probably would not have ever been in Paris because even my first trip to Paris, it started off with I don't know, three or four friends, like, wanting to go, yes, like, we're absolutely going to do this, you know, Paris, I don't know, whatever it was, like, 2013, here we come kind of thing. And then the closer we got to buying tickets, people were like, mm, it's not a priority right now. And you you know when it's just not ever going to be a priority for them. So, you know, I had to come to Paris by myself. <laughs> and... And and I think a lot of the emotions that I experienced doing that are probably pretty similar emotions that many people experience doing anything on their own that's different or new. You don't know what you're walking into. You don't know necessarily how you're going to navigate that situation. But 
you should not let that stop you. Um, you like it's, I don't know, as they say, the magic is outside the comfort zone. So got to get with it to, to really experience, I don't know, not only what that particular destination has to offer, but what you yourself have to offer. Because I do feel as if a lot of times when we experience something new or experience something difficult, we learn a lot about ourselves in the process. Um, I don't know, having worked in a, a cubicle for however many years, it's kind of a safe environment, you know, like it's, you know, the same sort of thing happens day in, day out for the most part. But, you know, you throw someone into all a bunch of uncertainty in a way and you find out, okay, this is what I'm made of or this is how I would react in this situation or, oh, I'm not as good at doing this as I thought it was going to be. So um, I would definitely say be okay with going at it alone. Be okay with learning more about yourself and but having to go through that difficult uh, jumping over the chasm to to get to the other side of that. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> You know it's not easy. Oh, no, it's not at all. <laughs> but no, I've done, I've done, um, solo, I did like two, three months of solo traveling before. Okay, and yeah. Yeah. It's just different. It's just a different beast. Mm-hmm. How and was it different for you? I, um, it's so, solo traveling is very different from moving. Oh, yeah, And yeah. that you don't have the expectation of it going well. If that makes sense. Like, you don't have the expectation of, like, here you move and you move to to build, and you build roots. Okay. And you, and you really try to form friendships that won't just last, like, a week, and that will help sustain you throughout your time. That's your goal. Your mm-hmm. goal is to make it. When you're solo traveling, I solo traveled in Japan and Taiwan and a little bit Europe. So just, like, different places. And I was okay at one point. There were times, there were great moments, like really fun moments with people who I haven't seen in a while Mm. or people who I've caught up with later or things like that. But there were also moments where I was in Osaka alone and for like a week, not in a great state because my grandpa had just died and like it had just been like emotionally not great. Yeah. And also kind of being okay with it not emotionally being great because you're like, I'm leaving in a week. Yeah. You know? You're like, like but is this forever it's when not, you move to place? <laughs> exactly. It, that's very much, it's like, it's hard to solo travel. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. You have to be in a certain mindset to just be like, screw it and just do it. But yeah. it's also like, you know you're going home. You yeah. know that you have, um, a, like you have a, a plane ticket home. Yeah. So it's, it's different and, I, in the situation of moving and being um, an immigrant or an expat, at least here, I, be, especially because of the surgery, I experienced a lot of gratefulness in the sense that my home country, as screwed up as it is, is still the States. And it's yeah, still... You know you have a back... A, I know backup, I yeah. know that it's not like I'm from a country where it's it's incredibly volatile or it's horrible there like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of things screwed up with the states that make it unsafe for certain people or make it um 
not wise medically or things like that. But also, like, I wouldn't be going back to the worst situation. I am, especially with the surgery, (coughs) I'm incredibly grateful that if I need to go home, I can. Yeah. Like, you're going to great medical facilities, you know, at the very least. Um, No, I mean, in that... I mean, that makes sense. Like, you know there's an out. There's an out. Basically, when you're solo traveling around Mm -hmm. versus like, okay, I'm going to move to a particular place. And you find that in Paris. um, I have some au pair friends. Mm -hmm. um, And you find that with them, if they're from anywhere but the European Union, if they have a a difficult host family, Mm -hmm. they usually stick it out. Majority mm. of the time they stick it out because of how much trouble it is to get here in the first place. Yeah. Because of that, um, the visa. But if you're from a European city where it's like you could just go back home and not have to, and there would be no problem, a lot of them just go. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny because I, as I was saying before, I nannied for like six months. And it could have, um, like... They basically were like, oh, well, we can give you a part-time CDAE, basically. Um, but then I realized, okay, no, this isn't going to work for me. And I felt like the family was kind of surprised um, that I was like, yeah, no, I'm okay. He's like, but it's a CDAE. He's like, mm, it's all right. Um, or I was, I told them that, okay, yeah, I'm probably going to look for, like, a regular full-time job, and that's why. And they're like, oh, okay, well, just let us know how it goes um, at the end of the summer. And I was like, um, okay, sure. And probably a week before school started, they actually reached out to me, but I had already found, like, a CIDAE. And they were like, um, oh, would you be interested in coming back? And I said, no, actually, I did end up finding a CIDAE. And it... I don't know, there was something about the tone of, I forgot exactly what they said, but there was something about like the tone in their response where I could kind of see how they weren't like almost like used to the idea that, oh, this person who's nannying um, can just kind of say no to a job opportunity. Like I think for them it was like, oh, but it's, I think they had been used to like people being like, oh, well, I'm going to keep this job. Like, I have it. And, like, what are my other options? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. um, that's kind of what I experienced. But um, kind of going back to this idea of, like, traveling around versus when you're, like, staying in a country, um, the other thing that I would try to have in mind is, like, why you're doing something. Why, not even why you're doing something, but why you are here. Um Because I think, yeah, when we were talking earlier, and I was like, uh, the like is starting to kick in. I think I might be getting tired. Um, (laughs) But when I was asking earlier, why? So why did you come to Paris? Oh, the master's program. I was like, okay, but why (laughs) Paris? Um, And then it was you having to explain, not so much why Paris, but like how it wasn't exactly relevant to your reasoning for being here in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is also like important to know, okay, exactly why you're here. Because I see a lot of people, 
They think Ooh. that, okay, if I get here, it's going to solve all of my problems or I'm just going to go. And that's, you know, that's one thing. But to me, that's almost more of a travel around situation versus a jump through a million visa um, hoops to get here. Um, and I think knowing why you're here, it makes it a little bit easier to to move in the direction that you're trying to go because you kind of have a little bit of a destination. Um, and then it also makes it easier to decide on, okay, what's important, what's not important. Um, this isn't a direction that I want to go in. Like it kind of forces you to separate the significant from the insignificant and not necessarily, I'm not talking about people, but I'm just talking about um, particular factors mm-hmm. in in life that you have to figure out as you're navigating um, the day-to-day. No, and I, a little context for that was I was, there is always a question of whether you stay in Paris or not, especially yeah. as your visa comes up, and I've been questioning that a lot. And you asking and like that, you asking that and like some of my teachers and just talking it through with a few people, it it does come down to like the significant or insignificant. Like, why did you come? And are you even though it's hard and even though it's difficult and even though it's not what you look like, are you still succeeding Mm. or are you still achieving what you set out to do? And is it significant or did you realize you want a different path in life? Or is it that not, it's not what you'd wanted? Mm -hmm. Is that what's going to change it? For me, I figured out what was significant and what wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But it just just is very dependent. Yeah, but I think knowing that or at least thinking about that, Mm -hmm. it it helps um, make the next decision. Um, Or it helps because we're making however many thousands or whatever decisions a day. It helps make the little ones and the big ones, um, you know, whether to stay or to go. And if it's still serving the purpose that you you set out for it to serve. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking. No problem. Significantly longer than you thought you were going to. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it, and I think it was a really great Yeah, discussion. me too. Me too. Um, and I'll connect people with, like, your blog and such as well. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem.